WWE have announced that at their next Saudi Arabia show, Crown Jewel, they will have the first ever historic women's match. Women will finally be allowed at one of WWE Saudi Arabian shows. This is groundbreaking. This is busting down barriers. This is historic first time ever material. And that will free all of those women protesters from Saudi Arabian prisons, won't it? I, I got a follow-up question. I got a follow-up question. Those women who get to wrestle in Saudi Arabia, will they be allowed to drive back to the airport by themselves after the show? Probably need a little help with that. <laughs> I, 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 well, they probably get a lot of rides anyway to and from events. But my, my, my larger question, because I, I want to go back to something that you mentioned in there. You said that... Uh, that uh, that that they're allowing women to uh, to wrestle at uh, WWE events. Um, WWE events, of course, their content and structured being dictated by the WWE. So, I just want to make sure I uh, nobody was really stopping them, right? Oh no, no, they were being stopped. Oh, women aren't allowed to do the wrestling in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And WWE, proud as it is of its women's evolution, where it's breaking down <laughs> barriers that WWE itself erected to hold women back. And they're patting themselves on the back in recent years because they're doing the first ever women's Royal Rumble, the first ever women's Hell in a Cell, the first ever women's elimination, all these first ever's to show that they're progressive now while taking blood money from Saudi Arabia to perform shows where women aren't even allowed to appear. And they they patted themselves on the back for having the first ever women's Royal Rumble match. Royal Rumble. It's one of my favorite events, actually. Royal Rumble. First ever women's Royal Rumble. A few weeks later, at Saudi Arabia, they held what they called the greatest Royal Rumble, where the women weren't allowed to compete. There's your women's evolution. First time ever Women's Royal Rumble. Historic, brilliant. Round of applause for WWE. Oh, but it's not the greatest Royal Rumble <laughs> where they're not allowed. This is the best one we've ever done and women can't be here. What kind of message does that send? That'll get those protesters out of jail. That'll stitch those journalists back together what have been chopped up, won't it? Fucking blood money fucks. Vince McMahon's a billionaire. He don't need that money. He's an immoral billionaire. And the props and production value on WWE are lower than mine. But they have to do a show in Saudi Arabia for their Saudi Arabia fans. It's for the fans. They can't say no to a, a country that has a lot of ethical concerns going on with how it is run. The fans that have to be like 50 rows back because the royal family and their friends are all in the front rows and they're sectioned off so no one can come <laughs> near them. Yeah. For the fans. It's for the fucking billions of dollars. Those are the fans that they care about. Well, absolutely. <laughs> it's those ones. By the way, all of this is video game related because WWE 2K20 is a disaster of a video game. <laughs> oh, those faces look fucking horrendous. Those ones that have faces. Well, they're going to need the Saudi money to make up for, you know, all of the, oh, the yeah. bad press they're going to get from their licensed video game. The production values on WWE as a show have gone downhill while they make more money. And the more I examine that company, the more I'm like, this just demonstrates everything I've said about the game industry, especially this year, about how it's systematic and it's more, you know, capitalism and triple capitalism rather than just individual publishers being shit. Because you look at WWE and they are the electronic arts of, of wrestling. 
as they make more money, the product gets worse and cheaper and nastier. They have a throne and a scepter and a crown for their King of the Ring tournament. Um, they reuse the same props that they've been using for over 10 years. And they are cheap. Like, the crown bends. The crown bends and the scepter's plastic. Well, gold is very malleable, though. That crown should bend. As is wire. As is the wire that crown is fucking made of. Perhaps they can quietly go and ask their new friends, the Saudi princes, if they can lend them a crown for the Saudi event. (laughs) Vince McMahon would smelt that down and sell the gold and buy another dog to eat for his dinner, which he probably does. Uh, That sounds like slander, Jim. You know, he doesn't even know what a burrito is, and he didn't know what a burrito is while he was eating one. Just to give you an idea of how alien billionaires are, and how they don't understand anything, Vince McMahon got angry while he was eating a burrito, so I don't I don't know what a burrito is! Oh, nom nom! Because they're so disconnected from reality. He didn't want Metallica playing at a WWE show because he didn't think anyone would know who they were. <laughs> he, uh... he apparently grows an amazing beard, but you never see him with a beard because he won't let it win. <laughs> because he's such a control freak, he hates the idea of something happening on his face that he didn't allow. So he's just willing the beard not to grow. He doesn't even shake. Same goes for sneezing. Apparently, if you sneeze in front of him, he gets really pissed off. Sometimes not even at you for sneezing. He gets pissed off at the sneeze because it's something the human body can't control. This is real. Yeah, yeah. I I heard, I heard. He doesn't blink. You know, blinking is for the weak. Just will your eyes open. Is that real or are we at our weekly slander section? Uh, Well, I I, I heard it it said at some point moments ago. I can almost believe it. I can almost believe it. He's a piece of (laughs) shit. He's immoral. I mean, he's, he's a billionaire, so his existence is immoral. Um, by the way, welcome to our video game podcast where we tell you if your favourite video games are good or perfect. Uh, sorry, great or perfect. I almost said good, sorry. Uh, WWE, that new one, yeah. it's only great, it's not perfect. It's only great, yeah. It's it's only great. It's a buggy broken mess, which means we can only give it a great out of ten. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Very sorry. Anyway, let's commit some slander. Uh, Christian Bale once fucked a bag of tulip bulbs. Oh, did he? Oh. Yeah, he loves it. Apparently he's got a thing for tulips, especially the bulbs. And he said that. He said, I've got a thing. This is his voice. He said, I've got a thing for tulips, especially bulbs. <laughs> you know what I heard? He shoved one of them bulbs up his ass and then it acted like fertilizer. Oh. And it, 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 you know, it sprouted. Yeah. It, it, it bloomed out of his ass. On the set of Terminator Salvation, they called him old tulip ass. Yeah. It was just one, but it was really strong. When he, when he sat on a chair, he hovered like five five inches up off the chair because he was just balancing delicately on the tulip. People used to say when, when, when he farts, it smells like roses, but in fact, it smells like tulips because that's all that's up there. A lot of people, like even at the journeyman level, um, they'll confuse the smell of a tulip with the smell of a rose. Christian Bale doesn't. He knows exactly what tulips smell like because he sniffs their knickers and he puts knickers on them to sniff them. That's some top quality slander. And there's nothing wrong with putting the knickers on, you know, but... No, well, my issue with it is tulips shouldn't wear knickers. Tulips probably shouldn't wear knickers. Tulips shouldn't wear knickers because there are special tulip hose that they get to wear. (laughs) 
And they like they like wearing tulip hose. And he rips them off with his teeth. And he says, "Oh, I'm going to put some I'm going to put some human knickers on your tulips," <laughs> because he's ashamed. That's the issue. He's ashamed that he fucks tulips. So he puts knickers on them to convince himself that they are human people. And I'm like, if you're going to fuck a bucket of tulip bulbs, it's not a bag anymore, it's a bucket. If you're going to fuck a bucket of tulip bulbs, right, just accept that that's what you are. You're a bulb fucker. Yeah. Don't put knickers in there. Embrace your kinks as, as long as they're harmless and don't hurt anyone else. Embrace your kinks. Yes, there ain't nothing wrong in this slanderous that isn't true, but it's slander. I've said it's slanderous, so it's okay to say it. Um, yeah, Christian Bale, like, hunched, sweating, naked, on, on, on his hands and his feet, but, like, up off the ground a bit, um, just humping into a bucket of tulip bulbs while going, oh, the machinist or whatever I was in. That's what he says. Um, for him to do that is a beautiful thing, and I just want him to accept it and not, not ruin it by, by stuffing knickers down there. Was he in The Machinist? Yeah. Yeah. All sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. It was either that or mimic. It was going to be one of the two. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, 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 if he hadn't, it would have just been slander. Yeah, that's true. Common a garden slander. I mean, there's, how, what what an accusation to be leveled at a person to have started in the machinist. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, anyone else got any slander they want to get out of the way before we tell people whether their favorite video games are great or perfect? Mm, I'm. I don't have anybody that I'm extra angry at this week. You good. Good, good for slander. Uh, no, no one has no one has angered me enough this week that I feel the need to slander okay. them. Um, I should point out, um, I'm not annoyed at Christian Bale for any reason. No, he's just a convenient target. Yeah, he's 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 easy to to have a go at. He's famous. He's in the public eye. Right, and that basically makes him ripe for me to tear him down. That's what we do as a society. We build people up so we can rip them down. Then we feel good about ourselves, and no introspection is needed. Ever. Nope. God, I love America. Uh, yeah, it's a really <laughs> wonderful place. Do, do you want to hear a great video game news story this week about America and about how great America is? <laughs> I do. First of all, I, I just want to say I don't I don't love America. I'm American agnostic. Um, <laughs> I, I believe it exists, but I don't trust it. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's hear about this because this, this is an interesting little story. This is a wild one. So... You, you, Jim, you've played that that Call of Duty Modern Warfare, that new one that came out with this with the story mode and everything. Yeah, ruined my Saturday afternoon playing it. It's not that it's a bad game; it's just vaguely contemptible. Did you finish that story mode? I did. Uh, do you remember a level that talked about the Highway of Death? I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I realize I I realize I need to say yes to keep this perpetuated for the story. You don't need to. It is cool. But I will just say. <laughs> I beat it this Saturday and I now don't remember a fucking thing about it. That is totally fair. That is what written summaries of what occurred are for. Because I I have been playing it and I found it equally forgettable. However, let's get into the story of what has happened yes. that is a bit contentious. So the Highway of Death. Yeah, Highway of Death. It is the name of a mission in this modern warfare, but it is also the name of a real thing that happened 
in a war, and we will get to that in a second. So... Must be purely coincidental, because Call of Duty Modern Warfare, like all video games, is totally apolitical. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those, uh, it, it, any similarities to real-world people and events are purely coincidental. Yeah, honk honk. Um, and we'll, we'll get in a minute into how coincidental it is, but, um... You're doing a sniper mission looking over a valley and there's some vehicles burned to either end so people can't really get away in either direction. And the game talks about how the Russians bombed it, killing people who were trying to escape from the highway of death with the vehicles at either end and they couldn't couldn't run away and then got bombed. That's a thing that happens in the game, right? That is also what happened in the highway of death in, in the real world. Except that the Americans bombed those people who could not run away and were trapped and it was maybe a war crime. I, uh, oh! The Americans, the, the Americans did it in real life yeah. and in this game the Russians do it. And it does seem like maybe this game is trying to historically revise that maybe America didn't do a war crime maybe that they did. That's going a bit far maybe for me. I, I It's... Kinda, I can't see any way that 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 would like. That's just mind-boggling to me. That like, if that was the intent, was to like shift attention onto the Russians for a thing that the Americans did twenty years ago. Yeah, it's it's almost thirty. Yeah, it's almost thirty years ago. It seems weird. It's, it's twenty. It's, it's, it could 20. be. Was I it? Mean, was it 1991? Oh god, no, it was 30. Fuck me. It yeah, was in 1991. No, god, I'm old. Cause I, yeah, oh, <laughs> like I can vaguely remember when this was yeah. happening. Is, yeah. is the thing. Uh, that's horrifying. Yeah. So I, I don't know that this is necessarily. I may have been being a bit hyperbolic to say that Activision is actively trying to cover up a war crime, but that's what this feels like. Can I just say, a lot of people when they talk about, oh, I'm old. I can't believe that you know, hit me, baby one more time was this many years ago i've never seen that statement about the highway of death well no yeah <laughs> i don't think i've ever seen that on those uh, i love the 90s compilation shows it, it's well it's a largely forgotten footnote of a conflict that i think as a nation we have largely forgotten beyond it being the reason we went back to Iraq, ultimately. Yeah. Like, it was very fast at the time. It was a very, very, like, oh my god big thing at the time. I'll, here's a mm. little context for you. So I was, um, during the Iraq thing, I was, like, 10. And I was living in Phoenix. Um, I'd recently moved there. And there was an amusement facility, like a family fun park, you know, with, like, mini golf and shit like that. Mm. Yeah. And it was... Persian themed. Okay. Uh, it was castles and coasters, right? And within a few months of like the Iraq war thing happening, they suddenly like, oh shit, we have a branding problem. Mm. And then they uh, and they didn't like change it from being Persian themed. No, no, they kind of went hard in the other direction. Oh no. Built a couple of roller coasters, which may still exist there. A small one called the Patriot, uh-huh. and a larger one called the Desert Storm. Oh, no. Oh. And there was wall art, spray-painted wall art, a mural that, that had been painted 
of American soldiers and children. It was weird. Fucking weird. <laughs> the WWE approach to, to yeah. political yeah. sensitivity. <laughs> Just do it more. It was, but it, but but it was it was also at the time kind of like beat the drums of war patriotism thing, and it was really kind of important to us as a country that we blow the fuck out of this country because it was our first sort of major public military engagement since the Vietnam War. Yeah, yeah, and so like as a culture, we were all about. The idea of blowing up a highway stretch filled with fleeing vehicles. Um, yeah, the the context for this, for the real world thing that happened, is basically toward the end of the the, the first Gulf War. There was about six hundred um, Iraqi troops who had been successfully driven out of Kuwait. They were, you know, they were fleeing. They were not attacking. They 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 were not posing an active threat, and. Yeah, American forces blocked both ends of the highway so they could not get away and had no active way to surrender, and then bombed all of them. And there's a lot of debate that has existed over 30 years about the moral line on that, but generally, it's a bit of a moral sore spot in America's war history. I'll say this, maybe Infinity Ward isn't willfully trying to shift blame from America to Russia about the real-life highway of death. However... If you're going to name your levels and your missions after real world yeah. political controversies and controversial war acts, do your fucking research. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the thing about this, because it almost seems clear like they did enough research to, to like, because there's enough similarities between the context of the two scenarios. Now, yeah. you're not bombing them. You're a sniper on the ground here at this thing. But it seems very, very similar. And that's fucking weird. It, it still seems to be the concept of, hey, here's the desert road where people can't escape on either end. Kill them from a distance without getting up close and personal. It's close enough with the matching name that it seems... It gets to the point where even if it is ignorance... Yeah. It's it's at a level where the ignorance is no excuse for how it's come off. Yeah. Now, and I do want to... I, I want to back, roll back a little bit on, uh, on Laura, what your description of the actual event was. Yeah, apologies for any inaccuracies I have. This is from research done today for a video game thing. You may know more than me. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was it was it was about ten thousand um, uh, people that were estimated to be using this stretch of road. Um, the death toll of uh, uh, is in debate. Six hundred is on the high end of the estimates, but it is a plausible yeah. estimate. I believe that was a what was it? A, a, a project on defense alternatives quoted the sort of five to six hundred range. Yeah, they did a study um, in two thousand three, and yeah, so there's. There were less than 10,000 people on this road, um, and, and there were a lot of people that did f flee on foot. Mm. This was not, you know, like they came in and wiped out everybody. Um, it, it was, but, but the death toll was estimated at 600, and, and largely, uh, it was a largely Iraqi military, though. It was, uh, there were claims that there were some Kuwaiti refugees that were also trying to flee on this road. And so there could have been some mm. civilian casualties. There isn't really a, like a lot of like easily quickly accessible information. Cause I also did like 
half an hour of research. That's right. You did more than, than Infinity Ward did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to be like raw, raw America, but I also don't want to be like, you know, completely condemnatory. Um, no, but I, I, it, the research at least makes it sound like this was definitely a bit of an iffy moral grey area oh, yeah. that America did a thing they probably should have handled differently. And now we've kind of recreated it with Russia as the villain. Yeah, you don't shoot soldiers that aren't engaged in combat. That's mm. artic- in Article 3 of the Geneva Convention. You don't do that. It absolutely seems like a war crime. And, and now one thing I will say is kind of uh, interesting and worth examining maybe on, a, uh, on another podcast by other people who are... Uh, much more politically informed than we are, but in response to some of the controversy and 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 so forth relating to this, Norman Schwarzkopf, uh, who was the general in charge of the Iraq War, Storm and Norman, as we used to call mm. him, a real charming individual, uh, he po- was publicly quoted as basically saying, "Well, you know, I mean, these were bad people that we believe; these were rapists and murderers and." It's weird how that language just... Oh, yeah, it seems strangely familiar. Right? Isn't that weird? Yeah. Weird. Something to think about on another podcast. It's almost as if, almost as if, (laughs) there are people in this country who think they can say that and that will allow them to do incredibly moral, dubious things that range from the morally dubious to the outright criminal. Yeah. To the, oh my God, years from now, I dread to think what they're going to cover up about what they're doing right now. Yeah. Almost as if. Almost. Almost as if. I tell you what, this whole thing, this whole fucking, this Call of Duty Modern Warfare thing is exactly what happens when these fucking AAA video games want to claim on one hand they're apolitical and with the other hand exploit as much political imagery and themes as they can for marketing purposes. They don't fucking think about what they're doing and because they claim they're not political, they are completely willfully ignorant of the context and the messages they might be sending out. And that in itself is a political statement. Yeah. Yes, saying, absolutely. Yeah. We do not care enough about history, and neither should you. Yeah. This this screams of a company that tried to walk the line between let's be close enough to reality that, you know, we can pinch all of the dramatic things from it and, you know, uh you know, get get all of the, the drama points for our narrative based on reality. But we'll try and change it just enough that we can go, no, this isn't the same thing. A different country does it in ours. Yeah. Without thinking of the consequences of that. <laughs> right. Yes, that's... that's well, No, and I'm sure they've thought about the consequences of that. The crime is not, you know, some great conspiracy to, like, soften this weird forgotten footnote in history and shift attention to another uh, thing, the villain. The, the crime is not giving a shit. Yeah. Not caring about what the things that they do could mean yeah they, they've convinced themselves or at the very least they, they're so committed to trying to convince everyone else that there is no politics involved in these video games that they've allowed themselves to be completely reckless because they don't think about yeah. the consequences or the or the fucking um the message that they put out there and it's it's fucking it's pig ignorant on an inexcusable level Fucking idiots, and the multiplayer sucks and all. <laughs> uh, so perfect or great? Um, uh, I'm gonna have this to one's go. Only with, great. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go. We're great on this one, dog. I'm sorry, dog, but I'm gonna have to go. We're great. Yeah. 
It's, I'm really sorry that your game got a great rating from us. Yeah. We would have given it perfect if we could, but it was only great. People didn't like that I didn't like this year's Call of Duty, this year's trip on the gravy train. Um, I guess I'm supposed to be impressed that they tried this year. Um, visually, it's very pretty. It's certainly a, a, an upgrade in that regard. And it works fine. You know, I saw no bugs in the campaign. It was all sleek and stylish as usual. But it's the same Call of Duty campaign I've played all the time, where I'm not invested in the characters because they're all the same. Um, it's just po-faced misery from beginning to end as we go on a whirlwind tour of witnessing atrocities, doing atrocities, or having atrocities done to us. At one point, I didn't mention this in the video, when you're being tortured by the, the villain who looks like Richard Hillman from Coronation Street in the 2002, right? You could spit in his eye, right? And you get a, a trophy slash achievement for that called, like, got something, on your got something in my face, right? Trouble is, that happens during a waterboarding scene when you, the player, are being waterboarded. And as I was being waterboarded, the achievement came up and I didn't know what it was for. So I'm being waterboarded and I'm getting an achievement saying, oops, got something in my face. <laughs> I'm like, fucking what? <sighs> just an aside, just an aside. Um, but otherwise, the campaign is, it's just the same motions. New story, forgettable characters, but the same motions. It's like, oh, here's the flashback bit. Oh, here's the large-scale terrorist atrocity bit. Oh, here's the bit where I'm looking down through a camera from a plane doing bombs. Oh, here's the little stealth bit where I'm following someone. It's just... It's so by the book, by the numbers, that I don't care. And I started off like, I went in, it. People's, some people have said I went in looking to hate it. I'd heard it was a step up. I made some jokes about how I've just gone from the Outer Worlds to this, so, oh, poor me. And I said, like, every, every silver lining has a cloud. But people said to me, no, Jim, look, they really put in the effort this time. It's it's really good this year and it looks amazing. And it does look amazing. But they didn't make the effort to research potential war crimes. They didn't research war crimes, no. A potential, alleged war crimes. Um, this isn't like Christian Bale and the Tulips. Um, <laughs> well, he's a method. He's a method. Christian yeah. If you're a method, actually, you can do what you want. Um, you can piss on a dog if you want. Um, if you imagine that that is what the Riddler would do. I'm not saying Jim Carrey pissed on a dog because he imagined that's what the Riddler would do in Batman Forever. Well, no, that's not what the Riddler would do. That's what the Piddler would do. That's what the Piddler would do, and he has done that, and that's not slander. I've seen the Piddler do it, and he looked at me when he did it, which proves he did it. Um, what the hell am I talking about? Right, the villain in Call of Duty Modern Warfare looks like Richard Hillman, the serial killer character from Coronation Street in the early 2000s. So now I'm watching old episodes of Coronation Street and following the Richard Kilman Hillman arc. Always a bad murder, boy. That's more interesting than Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which is so by the numbers and so humorless. Like, they're trying to do gritty wartime stuff, right? They shouldn't be cracking jokes and getting into goofs. But when it is like... There's, there's a TV trope page called Darkness-Induced Audience Apathy, where if you just hammer on this same dismal, grim note for so long and so consistently without ups or downs, people stop caring. And I went into this game with an open mind. I played that London level, one of the early levels of the London level. I'm like, okay, this is like all sorts of exciting action and intense stuff going on. Five hours later, after more maudlin crap and more atrocities, I'm just like... I, I don't care. These characters are all just miserable. 
They're all professional soldiers doing their job, which is fine. That's what soldiers do. But it doesn't really make engaging character development, does it? I don't need another game of Captain Price saying, Oh, I do bad things for good reasons. I'm a complex character. No, you're not. You're, you're a... You're the, you're the most obvious stereotype. But Jim, how would you know whether he's a good character or not if you don't follow his lead and do good, bad things for good reasons? When the gloves come off, the hands get bloody. That's something he said. He he is a caricature of, I I of basically the mentality of uh, the ends justify the means. We're the naughty schoolboys, so the rest of the world gets an apple from teacher. <laughs> we eat live rabbits. So the Prime Minister can be vegetarian. I'm a complex character. Give me my gun and some fucking jump cables. I'm going to do some crimes. But they're crimes for the greater good. Greater good. It's all for the great, the greater good. The greater Now threaten to kill this person's family while I watch. And get annoyed at you if you think that's wrong. Uh... Modern warfare, everyone. We're deep. Fuck off. <laughs> God. I don't even care as much as I'm like going in on it. Yeah. I just know it annoys some people. I mean, I will say, I think it's very bold that they made the villains Russian again, considering everyone who still really loves Call of Duty voted for Trump. I think that's really brave. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, will, I will say it, it is surprising to see, but I don't know, maybe this is just a nostalgia thing. Like it, it's it's so convenient now that we have Russia as the enemy again, and my when I heard they were remaking modern like doing a new modern warfare thing, my my instinct was, oh, Russia's gonna be the villain again, because the the thing people remember about the first modern warfare was no Russian. That was the second one. Was that the second one? Yeah, it was modern warfare two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my point remains: people think about modern warfare, they think of no Russian. It's an easy villain. But I mean, yeah. the thing is, in America now, half the country thinks they're all right. So, like I say, it was, that's the most divisive thing they've ever done. Yeah. It's to suggest that there might be villainous people in Russia when, you know, half the country thinks that couldn't possibly be true. However, they do think some of the Nazis were stand-up folks. You know, there, it might be when there's all of that evidence to support that assertion, you know? Yeah. This, this is all the, all the bad Russians as opposed to those good ones that are in the government in Russia. Yeah, you know, a good egg like Vladimir Putin. Yeah, he rides horses. How could he be bad? I saw him near a horse. I certainly always trust people who are a part of intelligence services. Yeah. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> Welcome to your video game podcast <laughs> Have any of us played anything else this week? I played loads of shit I played one game Because that's how I seem to roll week to week <laughs> It's more than what Gav would play sometimes So yeah. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. you just turn up and say You know what, I'm, I'm fucking bothered And I respect him for it Because <laughs> I, I wish I could never play video games They're all trash I only pretend I play them I've never played a game Yeah when did I last play a video game? Who the fuck knows? Yeah. So so I played Oxygen Not Included, which mm-hmm. is a thing I do frequently. It's one I keep coming back to over and over again. Is it just an interactive model of Trump's brain? <laughs> <laughs> Satire! I couldn't write Modern Warfare. It's from Clay, K-L-E-I. They did Shank and Mark of the Ninja and Don't Starve. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is a survival type 
simulator game in the more in the vein of a you know don't starve but it's it's very cartoony um and you have this sort of side view grid out area of an asteroid that your little people have been teleported into so you have to dig it out and build rooms for them to serve their various functions and needs they need oxygen to breathe so you know there's gas management but they also will need toilets so you'll have to manage water and their waste and then as it develops you know you're building industrial machinery and powering all of it and uh finding sources for all of this and you know it, it just builds and builds and builds and i love games like that yeah it's 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 one of those ones where like when it's going well you have a bunch of like interconnected things that are all doing their job and making the next thing do its job and but it's also a game that always presents you with a new problem yeah and sometimes there are expected problems, like, you know, you know going in that, uh, certainly as you play over and over again, you go in knowing, all right, I'm going to need to develop this thing first, then this, then this, then this. And you start out with the plan of a general idea of the, th the things your base is going to need. Mm. And then as you go along, the game, because of the random nature of the world design, throws in roadblocks as you explore further out or provides yeah. you with new opportunities that you hadn't considered that then force you to reevaluate that plan that you developed. So it is uh, really smart. It's it's fun. It's very relaxing in a, in a way for a game that... You know, you do one thing wrong and it totally fucks up everything you'd been doing for the <laughs> last, like, day and a half. But um, I really, I, I love it. Uh, I like that company a lot. They just have a real yeah. quality standard that they adhere to. They got a very strong artistic uh, backbone to them. Yeah. Like, you know what yeah. you're getting into, even if they do different genres. Yeah. You know baseline what you're getting into with their games. Yep. It's it's visually just really pleasant to look at this game. It's got this really adorable little sort of like a, a cartoony but sort of pen a pen scratched look to it that's really nice. And it has this fantastic background music that is so just peaceful and relaxing that part of the reason my Steam time for it is ridiculous it says i've played something like 2200 hours of oxygen not included a lot of that is because i will just leave it on all day yeah so i hear this little it's so calm and and that's so vital for a game like this where you're spending so much time like you don't want anything to foreground that's going to be distracting, but you need something that's just pleasantly like, yeah, yeah, let's keep going, keep going. I mean, really, it's a it's it's a statement on how good that sort of atmospheric incidental music is uh, in a game to where I have spent hundreds of hours playing. I turn that off in favor of listening to something else mm. uh, while I play, because it's usually how I play games is I will be doing a thing in the game and I'll have something in my or it's a podcast or a YouTube video or whatever. And so I'll switch the music off because I don't want it interfering. This, I can actually bring it down to a level where it can even sit in the background of anything else I might be listening to. And then when that ends, it's just there. And I could be, oh yeah, this is cool. I have something in my ear. It uh, just, it's a great game. It's really, really good. I've been playing it since, really since it first landed in early access and it's now in final release. And the way it's expanded and grown, I mean, there's still tons of content I haven't done. I've been playing the game for years, 
uh, and they added like space shit a long time ago. Still haven't been there. <gasps> play it. Play the game almost every month for a little bit. Mm. But that's yeah. So anyway, that's I really should check it out if if you get the chance and you like uh, a simulator that is very problem solving heavy. Um, it, it's a lot of physics, which I am not a physics guy, but there are a lot of people on the internet who are physics people and are very good at it and have written great guides and tools that sort of once you hit a roadblock of like, I'm using up resources way too fast. There's got to be a more efficient way. There are a lot of answers out there too. It's got a really thriving community. So yeah, Oxygen Not Included from Clay. You should play it if you like Sims. Awesome. Uh, what have I been playing this week? Uh, Trying to check the stats on a video. If anyone just heard, oh, through my microphone, I'm sorry. I was checking a video and it auto-played and it was my voice going, oh. Because <laughs> I started a video going, oh. <laughs> uh, I can't remember if I talked about it much week. Did I talk about Disco Elysium last week? You did. You did. Yeah. So I finished a playthrough of that. That game is really quite impressive. I need to, I need to, like, so Casey Explosion talks about it constantly, and a bunch of my viewers talk about it constantly. I'm going to have to try This it. is one of those things, yeah, where I think we're going to have to get into playing it before the Undertale effect happens, and it becomes yeah. some, like... Yeah. Yeah. I, here's the thing, right now, having only heard a few people go, it's pretty great, and jumping in, I understand the hype that happened around it, um, it's just full of a lot of, like, really cool little moments that keep just, like, really impressing me at how well this game commits to its own rules and its world. Um, so, as as I said about last week, like, the general conceit is, you're someone who got so fucking blackout drunk, don't fucking remember who you are, you're supposed to be solving a murder, you're a detective. Um, one of the things early on that I, I started replaying it and I noticed is... In the user interface, where your little icon of your character would be, initially there's nothing there, because you don't fucking remember who you are. It's this sort of smudged outline of a person. If you don't go and look in a mirror, you could just go through this whole game with no character portrait there. If you do go look in a mirror, depending on how you perceive yourself, based on how you have this interaction with yourself in your head, you're icon will be different depending on your own perception of yourself because it's more oh. your self-image of how you look. It's, Interesting. It's, it's little fucking details like that that are just really a real commitment to what it's going for, which is you are focusing on playing through just someone's experience of this story. It's not the story itself, it's you are in this person's head experiencing the story through their eyes. It's a commitment to perspective. And yeah, yeah. that's really, really cool. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's clever. Yeah, it it really feels like there is a lot of reason to come back and play through this more than once. Um, because so much of the way that you experience that world is based on which mental attributes did I put points into... And as such, what perspectives was I offered on things I experienced where you could play through those same quests with a different set of points and a different set of things and go, oh, I'm being presented a completely different version of events right now. Uh, I'm going to fucking download this shit right now while you talk. Yeah. Uh, one, one, one aspect of the leveling system I don't think I talked about much last week because I was still pretty early on and I hadn't realised how interesting it was, was um, very broadly speaking, there is the idea of ideas in the game. Uh, you have some slots in your inventory where you can equip ideas as if they were items. Uh, and these will be things like 
let's say early on in the game some people are being a bit shitty to women and you say, no, stop that, be nice to women, you might get the idea, feminism. And if you pop that in one of your slots, you'll get some some buffs and some debuffs for having that there while you sort of mull it over. Uh-huh. But it, if you leave it in that active slot for a while, it will become... Uh, an ingrained idea? Uh, internalised. It, it gets internalised. You plant the seeds of an idea and it becomes a, a, a... That smart. It becomes a bigger facet of who your character is yeah. if you keep it there. So, like, you can have it there temporarily and swap it out for other things and it will give you some temporary buffs and debuffs. But if you leave it there, uh, it will become an ingrained idea, meaning that, A, it'll be harder to get rid of, and B... Its stats that it offers you will be slightly different. Oh god, I wish this was on the Switch. This is such a level of depth yeah. and complexity. I don't want to be sat at the computer for it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, because once an idea is is ingrained and is part of your character, you can get rid of it. But it takes one of your skill tree points to get rid of it, and that's something you could be using to build up one of your stats. And it's uh. a rare resource, so it's. You have to sort of sometimes commit to, okay, this is who my character is now. Do I waste points getting rid of that because it's not where I thought I was going? Or do I start taking making that part of the character? I That's very interesting. Yeah, it really encourages you to go, these are the attributes my character has right now. I will play them as they are. And if I want to start building them towards something else, I can do that. But right now, this is who they are. This is the kind of choices they will make. Commit to that and go. What I like about that is it it blends role-playing with stat building in a way that helps someone mm. like me, who often gets anxious about spending skill points and, and yeah. knowing where I'm going to develop my character from a will-I-be-efficient standpoint. Will-I-be-everything yeah, yeah. this character could be. But when you blend it that close with role-playing, I stop caring about stats so much. And then I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I will... If it's presented as an idea rather than just a stat buff, I'm like, okay, I just want my character to have this idea, and then I'll just take whatever stats come with it. And that just takes the pressure off of the, the minutiae of the numbers for me because they've made it a role-playing thing. That's it. And the ideas aren't always as lofty as stuff like feminism. You might have ideas like Hobocop, which is <laughs> you can't remember where you live and you decided never to investigate the, the plot thread about where is my house and you just decide okay I guess I'm homeless now and that becomes a potential idea that could be an ingrained part of who you are or you can go nah I, I will leave it out because I might later go and work out where I live it's it's really weird like is this a thing you want to be part of your character if so slotted in do you, do you want to be the, the detective who thinks he was always meant to be a rock star that's an idea you can pop in and that will have its own associated slots when it gets ingrained it's i have a feeling when i play this no matter what i think about it whether i really love it or not or whatever whatever i take away from it if i ever met the developers i already have the one question i would ever ask them which is right hobo cop did you have the name first and then work out how to put it in a game <laughs> Uh, it feels like that might have been the case, but I don't mind that that was the case. Oh, sometimes that that leads to gold. I I, yeah. I often like I like it when I see something like a name of a film, like Head of the Family, which is about a big-headed man who runs his family. It's a it's from the fucking Puppet Master people, but it was clearly like yeah. they had the name and then made a film. I love that shit. Yeah, but yeah. Like here's here's the thing. I. I 
when I'm doing actual, like, D&D-style roleplay stuff, one thing that I always struggle with is separating, like, my thoughts as a player from my decisions as a character. Like, I, I, I sometimes struggle with that, with the, okay, what would the character do here versus am I just doing this because min-maxing and trying to get the best outcome? Yeah. Th- this game... Because all of the options you're given with how to deal with situations are based on where you've put your points, it 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 very rarely gives you the opportunity to try something that is wildly out of character for your character and makes no sense for them. Which for me really helped to commit to play the character as they are, which is really nice. Interesting. And your character starts as a fuck up anyway. They are they they wake up like naked, not remembering who they are, having soiled themselves. Like if you fuck up some choices about your character, they're not going to be worse off than they were when the game started. There's not too much to lose if you make bad choices. Cool. Which is kind of reassuring. Yeah. But yeah, I I finished a playthrough and then was like, mm, I want to play this again. It's real interesting. It it's the most that a game that has had like do ha- what what morality system do you want to follow sort of thing. This is the first one where it, in a while where it's been like oh, this doesn't just feel like red or blue, which meter am I filling? Yeah. It's not rating you are, are you doing something good or bad? It's, well, what kind What kind of actions are you following? What sort of person are you? Uh, I'm there. I'm there for that, actually. Yeah, I got it downloaded. I got yeah. it halfway downloaded, Bill. I, I hope you enjoy it, but it's been, oh, I've, I've been really digging it. I'm going to check it out. Yeah. What about you, Jim? You played anything else this week? Well, we're about 45 minutes in, and I'm sure some listeners like, oh, they'll talk about Outer Worlds in a minute. Um, <laughs> welcome to that part of the show. You've sat through uh-huh. so much, especially that first half an hour. Those of you that didn't switch off at that point. Jim, Outer Worlds, is it great or perfect? Out of the two, I'm going perfect on this one, dog. <gasps> I bet not hear you say a floor about it, Jim. I fucking love it. I, honestly, I, I said in my Jim Impressions video, I struggle to find a bad word about it. It's exactly what I wanted. It's what I wanted from the, from... You know, a spiritual successor to Fallout New Vegas with things added in the years since, concessions made to things we want from our games, the perfect salve to, to Fallout 76. I know they, I know Obsidian apparently don't like those comparisons after their marketing brought up Fallout first, but um, I mean Fallout first, not Fallout first, because um, Fallout first is the worst. Um, but Fallout, uh, I was going to call it Fallout New Vegas. The Outer Worlds is, I mean. If if you if you felt like Fallout seventy six made you starving for a proper like Fallout style experience, Obsidian does what Bethesda does but better. They simply have done that with this. Technically, it's much better. The art style is wonderful. I love all the garish colors, the enemy designs, the world, this sort of Halcyon system that that it's set in, the premise, the story. I mean, it's it goes in so fucking hard on the space capitalism. And satirizing it. I mean, one of the very first missions is about someone who killed themselves, which is vandalism in this colony because it's destruction of company property. Oh, okay. It's real going in on that then. Oh, it's so on the nose. It's as subtle as a sledgehammer dildo, and I love it for that. There's no subtlety here, and it's relentless. It is relentless. It is constant. Just like, that inhuman corporate treatment of people mixed in with like commentary on colonialism and stuff like that. I mean, it's like 10 corporations run this system of planets and each one is just vile in its own way. 
and people are like living under the thumb. One of the the companion characters, one of their perks is called bootlickers. Like they know what they're doing. The companions are wonderful. The subquests for each one is great. Pavati is going going to go down in history as just a beloved video game character. She already is. Who has a wonderful storyline where she's um she's got a ro there aren't really romance subplots for the protagonist, but the one of the companions has a romance subplot. Um, it is gay and it is also quite acy and it is just so adorable because Pavati is such a wonderful, innocent character. I, I, ah, ah, uh, uh, I don't even have words. I genuinely love this game. Are video games good again? <laughs> this week they are. Did Obsidian save video games? They made all video games good again. They fixed all the glitches in WWE 2K20. Um, <laughs> I love the character development system. You know, it's... It's got that, it's again, similar to New Vegas. You can not only like put stats into individual charisma options, like being able to lie, persuade or intimidate. It's not just for dialogue. Like if you put enough points in intimidate, you get a percentage chance to make um, enemies run away. (sighs) Or if you put enough points in persuasion, it'll convince certain robot enemies to just start fighting your enemies for you just as a passive thing like every stat has its obvious thing and then just this these extra little bonuses and there are all these cool perks and you can take flaws um like if you fight enough robots you could end up being given the option it's not inflicted on you you choose it you can take on the floor of a phobia of robots which will give you stat decreases when you fight them but you get a free perk point to give yourself a new perk um I love those. I shouldn't have taken the drug addiction one. It's really annoying. But I think that's just because what are drugs in the inventory isn't properly flagged. Yeah. So alcohol doesn't count. And sometimes the pills and the salves and the pastes, you can't tell what what will be a drug to counteract the drug addiction stat. I'd like them more clearly marked. Yeah. And alcohol should count like it does in Fallout. Yeah. I really like when games have those options of like, Encouraging you to take some negatives for other positives. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite uh, role-playing, pen and paper role-playing game settings mm. uh, it was Shadowrun. But it has one of the worst, or it had, uh, and it, I don't know if they still do it this way, it had one of the worst character generation systems initially. It was a bunch of just poorly structured tables. And then they introduced a point-based system with a perks and disadvantages aspect. And every one of them was, you take this negative, but you get this positive. And sometimes, I mean, it, it was just, you could make a blind character. And that was interesting. Mm. And and you get, you know, get some flexibility as to how, you know, you get an advantage out of that. But it you'd want to do it for the story. It was really great and that's i i love it when games provide you that opportunity particularly if you're doing it in narrative as it goes along uh yeah i go all in on that in like white wolf games mm-hmm. um i've not played vampire in ages but um i take as many as the dm would allow yeah and he'd, he'd make me reel it in <laughs> it's it's one thing and to pull it back to disco elysium that does that really well as well where the more you go up skill trees they usually will have negatives alongside their positives like um one of the skills i keep thinking about is one that's basically understanding and getting a feel for what the cops are probably doing and what they're probably up to 
but the more points you put into your cop senses, the more paranoid you get that the cops think that you're a fuck-up, because you probably are, because you woke up not able to remember who you are and you're trying to help them on the case. It's things like that where it's like, okay, you you, you get a better sense of this, but this will go worse. Uh, yeah. Their perception equivalent is like, hey, you'll probably notice things better, but you'll also be slightly more prone to flinching when there's absolutely nothing there. Checks, yeah. Because your perception's a bit too high. You're, you're getting a bit jumpy now. Swings and roundabouts. Yeah. I like, I like when games push you down a path of, yeah, you're going to have some flaws. The writing is incredible in um, The Outer Worlds. I mean, it's... Obsidian have, have always been, had some good, like, writing in, in narrative and characterization. And I think they've outdone themselves on this one. And it blows Bethesda's stuff away. And I'm going to make that comparison again. But it blows their stuff away. Um, it's basically anything Bethesda can do, Obsidian has done better with The Outer Worlds. Um, I'm, I'm trying not to go into too much detail on stories because people are being a bit silly with spoilers. I think they're being a bit yeah. silly. Like, I've been really vague and some people are still like, oh, thanks for the spoiler. But I still have a policy of trying to respect that as much as possible, even if I think it's silly. Um, yeah. But I will just say, like, the option, the whole take a third option is something they embrace. And sometimes you might agonise over a choice between two things and you're like, there are real good merits to either one. And then you might, not all the time, but there might be a way to not make it a binary choice. Yeah. Um, and again, there's no morality system. There's a reputation system like in New Vegas. There are different factions, and the actions you perform might make, the, might, yeah, might make them like you or hate you, which I think is way more interesting than mo simple morality. Whether or not your resolutions and your actions are moral is up to you. You can ask the companions for advice, and it's not always just, oh, well, I'll leave it up to you. I have no opinion. Sometimes you can ask your companions for advice, and they'll have an opinion as to what they think is the right move, which I like because... Other games would be like, you can ask the companions and they're like, and they'll just do the whole well both sides thing. But here, like, depending on who you talk to, they will have a side. And some of the choices really are like, I like these people, but I also like these people and I might end up having to dick them over. And it's just, it's up to you. What, what is the best option there? And there isn't a little meter telling you what the best option is. There's only who will it piss off? Which just makes more narrative sense than a, a, a numerical system for whether you did a good or a bad thing. Plus, you know, there are many options to rebel against a, a corporatistic system, which I'm all in on. Yeah. It's it's like they made a game just for me. I have I have it on my list of things I need to get to because it does sound real fucking good. It's it's top top notch, I think. Yeah. Uh I played a bit more of that Ring Fit Adventure. Oh god. I'm 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 continuing to find it fun and more of a workout than I expected. I had enough of a workout today that by the end of it I was doing that whole, oh, I feel like I'm gonna cry a bit, which is the sign that I've actually worked myself. I'm like, oh, oh, I did a proper workout. I feel like that when I've gone through the effort of lifting a sandwich to my <laughs> mouth. It's, it's, been nice, it's been nice having a gamified thing. Like, I, I maintain having an enemy health bar pushing me to do that just three more squats to the end of the rep because if I do it I'm gonna beat that monster it's it it's it's doing a good job of motivating me Nintendo's been trying to get me to exercise for years being a literal professional wrestler hasn't convinced me Nintendo ain't gonna fucking start <laughs> totally fair but 
Yeah, I'm having fun with it. I laughed off the concept, but I'm having fun with it. Yeah, if you're having fun, you're having fun. Can't take that away from you. Yeah. And the only other thing I, I played that I'll just sort of brush through quickly is I started playing Jackbox Party Pack 6 because they're still making those Jackbox games where you Bloody hell. you do your phone to do silly answers to stuff. So far, this feels like one of the weakest ones they've done in a long time. There is... What, what are the, the games on there that I played? There's Trivia Murder Party 2, which is a sequel to a game they already did that doesn't really change much. There's a few new murder-based minigames. There's some new questions in the trivia bit, but it's basically the same game. Um... There is a, a a game where you you match words to your friends and see if your friends put the same words on the same friends and then you make a silly personality type for your friend, which was like it was all right. It the thing that annoyed me most is the whole payoff of that game was meant to be at the end of it all of you and your friends will have silly, overly lengthy, complicated personality type names attributed to you and that's kind of funny. So I tried hitting the Switch's share button to take a screenshot or a video, and it wouldn't let me. And I was like, oh, does Jackbox 6 just not support that on the a software level? No, it just doesn't support it during the results screen where you might want to record your results. You mean the most shareable content in the game? Yeah. Yeah. The important bit. I'll tell you what, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you If you restrict sharing features on a game, Except in the case of, like, sensitive data. Yeah. You are morally the same as a murderer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it makes so little sense. It's the thing you would share. It's how you market your game. What are you doing? Yeah. I still can't believe they did it with fucking Fortnite either. Yeah. Why is Cards Against Humanity a huge fucking global thing now? Yeah. That's why. People share their funny answers, yeah. Also, also, the world is a horrible, terrible, monstrous place that is ill-deserving of good entertainment, and that's also why Cards Against Humanity... Well, yeah, that that too. But yeah, I was having fun with that game until I couldn't share my silly end screen with anyone and then i i got less excited about it yeah that's the point of it yeah fucking jackbox uh and the last the last one joke boat you basically have to write one line of jokes by yourself it's not good here's the thing a lot of those jackbox games are jumping with your friends who may or may not be good at comedy and have a laugh together you don't necessarily have to be amazing as a comedy as a person who puts jokes together to be good at those games this requires you to have a sense of setup and punchline and joke structure that it feels like it's for a very specific kind of person. It doesn't feel nearly as broad as Jackbox usually aims their stuff. Hmm. It's a weird Jackbox collection, this. And I want to put more time in, maybe, you know, I'll... I I enjoyed writing jokes in there, but I know that, like, not everyone has at some point in their life tried to write one-liner jokes from scratch, you know? Yeah, you've suddenly made this whole prospect a lot more appealing to me, <laughs> like, out of nowhere. Yeah, here's the thing, like, that one, um, that particular one, it's, uh, everyone comes up with a bunch of uh, various words that get thrown into a pile, then you get a selection of joke setup and punchline uh, skeletons, and then you pop a word in from those that list that you made, and you have to come up with a punchline. And it's it's testing yourself to write one-liners from potentially like um, not optimal setups. And I found that really fun. But some of my group of friends were there, like, I don't know how to make a joke. 
how, how do I how do I do this? It's fair enough. Yeah, like people don't generally. Yeah, it wasn't a thing for a party, but I could see people who this would be fun for. If everybody was actually funny, we you know yeah we wouldn't need like social media and and things to you know yeah try and 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 feel good and 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 you know then people who you know aren't funny uh will look at not funny things and be not funny together yeah but they'll think they're funny of course they will they will just keep them in their own little paddock i mean that's why i'm there The only other thing I played was Cat Quest 2, and the user interface bugged so bad in the first five minutes on Switch that it became an unplayable mess, so that's a shame. Hopefully that gets patched. I played the medieval. Is it good? It's, it is an amazing recreation oh. of a game from 1998. Oh. It's very 90s. How faithful. I mean, it is exactly faithful, like authentic. It's too faithful. Yikes. And the thing is, is even in 1998, Medieval, as much as I loved it, was clunky. It was rough, even then. And they've they've made no changes to really like the combat system, which is just running around hammering a button, hoping you kill them before they kill you. Yep. The, the dodgy platforming and stuff, the awkward camera. It's basically all there, like visually nice the overhaul and everything but it's like when they remastered Shenmue it's like I, I cool for the nostalgia hit it's there but yeah I tried replaying the original medieval not that long ago like, within the last year or two yeah uh, because I I I don't know if I'd always just in my head it was just about the aesthetic and like the the character design and things like that that you know like I had forgotten what the game was actually like to play. Hmm. And I went back and was like, oh, this is really... I, I see now why the game is largely forgotten. It's rough as hell. Yeah. Yeah, it's rough as hell. It, it's a nice idea that just never came together and this doesn't fix that. Yeah. And what frustrates me is that I think the the, the intellectual property itself is ripe for a, a solid modern game. Mm. Medieval could have been an amazing franchise, as a, like a really good series. Yeah. Like I say, I mean, I remember its aesthetic and its, you know, character. Yeah. Um, and, and so forth. Like, those things are in me. And if they're still in me for a game that, you know, had one game and then a sequel that didn't really do enough to improve upon the original to, to make a mark um, and has just basically vanished into the ether the fact that i can still vividly recall a lot of these elements says to me the opportunities there it's an amazingly strong series from from an aesthetic standpoint from yeah. from an idea standpoint you you could make a new medieval that felt modern and basically pitch it as uh Dark Souls, but comedy. Comedy Dark Souls. Yeah. Like, I, I mentioned that in my Jim Impressions video. I said, like, I know that, you know, Souls-likes are everywhere now, but this is the kind of game where it would work and ha- and have, like, an interesting... Because so many Souls-likes follow the Dark Souls thing of being really bleak and miserable, but having that very British sense of humour in it with that Burton-esque visual style... I think that would make a really incredible Souls-like game. And and one thing that's just held this series back is whenever Sony goes back to the well, they just do the first game again. Mm. They had the original Medieval in 98. The PS3 classics brought it back. 
and reminded everyone it was very dated and clunky. The PSP had a version, and it wasn't a new medieval. Like it was named as if it might, as if it was, and it had some additions, but it was largely the same game again. And now they've done medieval PS4, and it's the same game again. It's like do a new one for fuck's sake. Uh, yeah. You went to all this effort. You went to all this effort to recreate a game from 1998 faithfully. And I know some people have enjoyed it because there's a nostalgia element to it and they're like, well, I I want the same experience again. But it's not a good experience. (laughs) It just isn't. And I say this as someone who adored that game as a kid and desperately wants a new medieval game and has done for so long. This, as, as the kids nowadays say, this ain't it, Chief. Yeah. 1998. Armageddon was the top grossing film. That's where we were at. I was graduating from high school. I was very young. Yeah. (laughs) I was watching EastEnders, the DeMarcos as a family debuted. (laughs) You know, Uh, we were all doing something in 98. uh, BlizzCon is happening soon. Allegedly, they're going to do Q&As, and I can't (laughs) fucking wait to see those. (laughs) I've heard what they're going to try and do is, like, stack it with announcements to try and bury the Hong Kong thing. Yeah, um, but but apparently their announcements have just leaked in advance, it seems. <laughs> um, the big one seems like Overwatch 2 is happening. Yeah. Don't know whether that's just going to be more Overwatch or if it's going to be a, like, if it's going to have a single player this time or be a different genre or anything. Probably just more Overwatch. The, some of the rumors that I've uh, read suggested that it's uh, it's going to replace, in terms of the multiplayer, the original Overwatch. Now, whether yeah. or not that turns out to be true remains to be seen, but I would expect that because I can't imagine them wanting to fragment that audience. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope it's good. Yeah, same. Yeah, it might tempt me to go back in. Like many of these ongoing fucking games in this live service era of video games. I was into it for like a couple weeks and then just stopped. Yeah. Fortnite Chapter 2 brought me back to playing a little bit, but I'm already over it. I fully don't expect this to come to Switch because (laughs) the original Overwatch just came to Switch. And I'm like, if they were going to bring Overwatch 2 to Switch, they probably would have just waited and made that one dual announcement or something maybe oh i don't know judging by how little attention they you know put on its release on switch in the end maybe not yeah but like just squirt it out and make money here's the thing if overwatch 2 is gonna replace overwatch that's a real shitty move if you release Overwatch 2 like si- within six months of the first one on Switch. It's according to track for Activision Blizzard. Yeah. It's the kind of thing they do. But we'll see. We'll see. I've heard that they might bring up Diablo 4 as well. Yeah. Just to really... And the, the sad thing is, is Blizzard BlizzCon this year should be a well-deserved humiliation for Blizzard. Mm. But if they throw Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4 at people... It'll probably work yeah. to, if not eradicate controversy, overshadow it because people will fall gladly onto the hype train. So as cynical as it is, it'll probably work. Their video games are more important to them. Well, how, how, how about we make this promise? No matter what they announce, we, can, we we start the following episode off with, remember what they did with Hong Kong that was real shitty? Oh, Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no. I'll do a laundry list of every crime Activision Blizzard's committed. There's literally nothing they could announce that 
like literally nothing that would take precedence for me over that other thing because that's just yeah. fucking disgusting i'm sorry well that's it Let, let's just make sure we keep mentioning it we keep going on about it on our video game show where you tell you if it's great or perfect if they if they fucking successfully overshadow all of the 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 bullshit that they've been perp- uh, perpetrating I will be extra annoyed because they, on top of all the bad things, they, they will got have away robbed with me. Oh. Not just got away with it, they will have robbed me of a hilarious BlizzCon. Yeah. If people forgive them. If I do not see people turn up dressed as Winnie the Pooh, <laughs> if I do not see people rake them over the coals in Q&As, if I am not laughing with tears down my faces at the, the only video game convention... I have truly been hyped for. <laughs> if I do not get what I'm hyped for, I will, I promise you this, and I'm not fucking, this is a fucking, this ain't a threat, this is a promise. I will 100% be really sulky about it. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this, I, I, think, uh, I think there is really at least short term an opportunity at BlizzCon for everybody to get what they want out of it. Yeah. Maybe. Like, I don't think there's any way we don't see some protest shit and some very oh, entertaining yeah. protest shit at that. There's going to be some creative things happening at BlizzCon. And there are probably going to be announcements of games that will probably be um good yeah. for people who care about those types of games. Uh, me, I'm here for this hot Hong Kong content. Yeah. Uh, but... Everybody has something to look forward to at BlizzCon. That's the thing. I didn't have anything to look forward to about BlizzCon until <laughs> now. This is interesting to me. I, I, I feel like I need to put this out there. You know how our rating scale on this podcast goes from great to perfect? I do. You know how Blizzard treated Hong Kong? On that scale, I would put it at a great minus. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, lower than the bottom end of the scale. That's a great minus. Can can the scale even handle that without breaking? I I don't know, but I'm taking the risk. It's straining. I can hear it creak. That's what the scale does. Oh. When it when there's a when there's the threat, when you when you just look at it and whisper the word minus, it starts to creak. I'm I'm pushing I'm pushing the edge. Yeah, <laughs> can it take that? But fair enough. I mean, ouch. I'd hate to be Blizzard right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd hate to be Blizzard pretty much at any Ever. time. Ever, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if you work at Blizzard, you don't know if you'll have a job in a few months' time, so there's always Bobby Kotick's sort of Damocles hanging over your head. Fucking pricks. <laughs> Fucking pricks, indeed. Um, uh, There's a couple of throwaway headlines. EA's putting their games back on Steam, starting with Star Wars Fallen Order. Yep. It's more money in their pocket, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's more money in their pocket. Death Stranding's coming to PC early next year. Again, more money in their pocket. I'm curious what that fucking game is still. I, I don't think that's news, though. I'm pretty sure no. it was always... Or it had been known for a long time that it was coming to PC. People have been talking about it like it's news. Yeah. Yeah, I think it had been, like, suspected. Because they kept referring to it as a console exclusive, but they hadn't actually said... It's coming to PC and this is when. Well, that's, but when they say it's a console exclusive instead of the name of the console and exclusive, that means it's coming to PC. It's just taken as red, yeah. Well, that's it. We, we knew it was coming, but now we know it's like, it's going to be like a two, three month delay, not like a year, two year delay gotcha. or something. So, you know, that's there if you want to know it. I want to know how much that game costs to make. 
I more than any other game, I want to know what the budget was on that sucker. Yeah. I am very curious about some things about that game, and I cannot wait for probably a week from now when we might be talking about that. Yeah. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, looking forward to it. I will probably not have played it yet. <laughs> Neither will I have, probably. I doubt I'll be getting a review copy of that. But... I, I know I'm not. Oh, well then... then... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, missed, I missed the cutoff date. <laughs> Apparently, they had a cutoff date ages ago for review copies <laughs> because they didn't want reviewers rushing them to meet an embargo yeah well, that makes sense so if you requested it too late you, you you're you're out of the loop and i'm out of the loop so instead i've got to buy it on launch day yeah. and then i will rush it <laughs> yeah so i yeah i i know some people who have been reviewing it and i am very intrigued to see when those reviews go up yeah i'm looking forward to it you know yeah Alright, should we wrap up for, for this one? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sleepy. Let's do that. Um, Laura. Me. People need to know what you have done on the internet and what you will continue to do and where they can see all this. That stuff. Um, Laura K. Buzz in most of those places. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. LauraKBuzz.com. That's where you can find links to absolutely everything that I publish ends up over there. I've got some books, Uncomfortable Labels. It's about being gay and trans and on the autism spectrum, and it is out now where books are sold. Or you can get the audiobook at uh, uh, at laurakbuzzstore.com. Other than that, I've got Things I Learned from Mario's Butt that is coming out real soon. It's an illustrated coffee table book of video game character butt reviews. I do Pixel Square. It is a video game podcast about video game pornography. And I'm on Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where me and my fiancé talk about uh, talk about what we've been up to that isn't video games and have some silly skits and a bit of a catch-up. And then there's Dice Funk, which is a Dungeons & Dragons podcast that I am on with Conrad, but also with Jim recently. Uh, we did a one-shot for Halloween called uh, Mr. Spooky's House of Fun, I believe it was called. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, go, go check that out. It, I did. That was me... Uh, Jane Magnet, who I do Queer and Pleasant Strangers with, and Jim was on there. Uh, we go on an adventure in a casino, and we're all terrible people, and it's great. I don't normally listen to Dice Funk because I'm on it. Yeah. But I wasn't on this episode, so I got to listen to it, and it's very fun. Yeah. It was nice to get to be a capitalist asshole. <laughs> it, it's always worked out well for the capitalists, it seems. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. What I'm learning is if you want to do well at anything, be it D&D or life, just be a heartless capitalist. That's how, yep. That's that's <laughs> the that's the lesson, everybody. Yeah. That's yeah. the takeaway. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Conrad Zimmerman. You can buy these pins that I make that have pithy sayings on them, and 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 they're real mean spirited about you know the world. They're great. Uh, you can get them at pinfultruth.com, P-I-N-T-R-U-T-H.com. Uh, you can hear me on the spin-off Doctors, which I... We're doing it this week, aren't we? Yeah? Uh, shit. Yeah, we're not making any commitments again. <laughs> <laughs> but Shit. Maybe. Maybe if we can get it done, I've got a haircut afternoon if 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 i can get time in the morning tomorrow we can we can hammer it out yeah i think that's i think that's a real possibility so fingers crossed everybody uh but in the meantime uh jim and i also do another podcast with our good friend jonathan off road rules 
who uh, we want him to be famous, and you should listen to that horrible, horrible podcast so that uh, he can be more famous. That's at Boston's Favorite Son, uh, or Boston's Fave Son on on Twitter, and uh, it's on SoundCloud. Just search for Boston's Favorite Son. You'll find it yeah. because... You know, on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes. Yeah, it's on all those places. Um, and uh, also, you should... Uh, I don't have a Patreon, but you know who does? Jim Sterling has a Patreon, and it supports <gasps> oh, no. this show. Scandal. Yeah. Yeah. And I heard you support it on, on the latest uh, Jimquisition, and I was like, that's that's my boy doing the, doing the grind. Yeah. And it actually helped. Uh-huh. Because it turns out when you mention, when you mention yeah. the way the show is funded, the show gets some funding. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, I'm going to try and be better about that and not just end these podcasts by letting, like, you two say things and then me just saying, oh, whatever. Um, so yeah, patreon.com slash gymquisition. Um, if you'd like to support everything, all the content I do that's ad free, um, is supported by that. Um, also we, I do live streams now, um, which have been very entertaining and very fun. Um, we had a really big stream yesterday that went really well. Um, that's Twitch TV slash gymquisition. This is all following a fairly set pattern. Um, and yeah, uh, do check out, if you haven't seen it, this week's Jimquisition as well. It's called Bethesda is Officially Obsolete. It was a last-minute subject change for the for the video. Um, and consequently, for some reason, is also... It's, it's had the biggest success in a 24-hour period than maybe anyone I've done this year. Um, so that was exciting and a nice surprise, especially because I've been bemoaning um, things lately. Although... Last minute, less effort than some of the other ones. Way less journalism, way more successful. There's the message. Yeah. See, we're all learning things today. See, I found a way to be annoyed about this now. Yeah. Um, but anyway, if you've not seen it, do check it out. It's, it is quite a fun episode. Uh, I say less effort. Like, obviously, we still put a ton of stuff into it, and it was, and and it was even behind schedule because I added more stuff in last minute. Yeah, it's more impressive in in the context of a developing story that happened very quickly to to make it out. Mm. Like people don't, I think, appreciate how much time goes into producing a weekly video series already, and then when you get you know, when you realize what your topic is like two or three days later than you had anticipated or something comes along that you need to do, uh, the turnaround on that, it's that, you know, it's all the all the more impressive, frankly. I think it's a really good video. It's very much action stations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's that. Thank you so much for listening, for your continued support, for whatever it is, however you interact with the things we do. And we will see you next week. Um, to tell you whether more of your favourite games are great or perfect. Bye. Bye. Bye.